Welcome back to Sports Channel. If you guys enjoyed today's video, make sure you guys like, share, comment, and subscribe uh, to stay up to date with all of our uh, latest content. Uh, make sure you guys follow us on social media platforms as well. We have a bunch of cool stuff uh, that will be almost exclusive to our social media platforms. Um, we have a special guest today, uh, Alex Golden from the uh, Setting the Pace, no pun intended. Uh, well, <laughs> it could be Setting the Pace podcast, covering the Indiana Pacers. Thank you, Alex, for joining us. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on here, Sean. And uh, of course, it is definitely pun intended. We are as cheesy as can get here in Indiana. So we are representing that Indiana uh, cheesiness. No, I'm just kidding. But it's uh, it's great to be on, man. And uh, yeah, setting the pace is our podcast. If you have any Pacer fans listening to this, check us out. Yeah, link will be down below in the description. But let's get right into it. Okay. Uh, your Pacers. Um, so First off, how confident are you with the bubble working so far and no tested positive cases, even though Lou Williams could have uh, just broke the bubble? Um, how confident are you that the bubble's going to work and we're going to crown the champion this year? Well, I mean, it's still a small sample size, but with how everything is going and, and with the results we got back, what was it, last week where nobody had tested positive? I mean, I really think that the NBA's done a great job and if, you know, they continue to do what they're doing, I think we'll be fine. I mean, at the end of the day, I think there will be a championship uh, game played, a, a series played. Now, who's all in it? Who, who gets coronavirus? Who gets affected by it? I'm not sure. But really, I mean, before the whole season started and they were talking about bringing the bubble in, I knew a lot of people that were skeptical of it. But I really thought this actually makes the most sense um, for why it could be even healthier to be down there in the bubble because constantly getting tested every single day, they have, you know, different things that a lot of other people don't have. I mean, the average Joe is going to work every day. They might stop for, you know, gas every three days to get some gas in their vehicle, go to the grocery store, whatever. They're in contact with more people than these players will be. So I really think that this is almost as a safer environment. But, yeah, to answer your question, uh, sorry for the long-winded answer, I do think we will see a champion, but I don't think it's going to be your Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, two minutes to <laughs> to the show and you're already just blasting us like that we'll talk about who we think are the favorites <laughs> towards the end now let's talk about your pacers so our co-host <laughs> who can't be with us today he wanted me to ask you how do you feel about like next year because assuming everybody's healthy brogdon oladipo sabonis turner warren that could be scary what are your expectations for the for the pacers next year and would the pacers have been a uh contender had Oladipo been healthy all year? Well, that's a great question, and I think that's what we're going to see next year. How good can this Pacers team be with Oladipo? Because without him, I believe they were 32-19 and 19 before he came back. So, you know, that's 13 games above 500, and really, you know, had injuries to Brogdon throughout the entire season. Jeremy Lamb got injured in the Toronto game. He'll be, you know, he'll be back hopefully next year, about halfway through, but how good will he be? We don't know, but, you know, T.J. Warren and DeMontis Sabonis surely had breakout years this year. Yeah, Victor Oladipo, a healthy Oladipo, and I'm hoping Oladipo does play in the scrimmage uh, and in the restart just so we can kind of see him get healthy, get himself back on track to what he used to be. And, you know, I mean, it just depends on what Philadelphia does. I guess if they bring their core back, how how much of a difference can they make against us? Um, Miami, you know, they're – they're a tough team that's, you know, got a lot of young players, so they're going to continue to grow. 
Boston's in the same boat. Toronto's in the same boat. Really, I mean, I don't see anything with these teams taking a step back, but I do think the Pacers with a healthy Oladipo for 82 games or however long next year is, I mean, we're going to we're gonna see a Pacers team competing for that third or fourth spot in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, decent contender, but still they just got to figure things out. I, don't, I think they're a star away or two from really being a serious contender, but they've got a lot of really good players. And, you know, I think the, the sum of their parts is, is better than most teams as far as not having a, a weakness on the court. The, the biggest weakness they have right now is uh, their, their third-string center depth. So not, not a big deal, but they have good players at every position. Yeah, so next year's Victor Oladipo's contract here, how concerned are you about Oladipo leaving to a Miami, which is gaining a lot of traction right now? Yeah, I think right now I'm about 50-50 with it. I mean, I could see him leaving, but I could also see him staying. I think there's no real clarity on what he's going to do, but I do think he does want to win. And Miami, if they can lure a guy like Victor Oladipo with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, I mean, that's enticing he has a gym down there that he owns he's in his family lives down there that's where he lives in the offseason so the, all the connections with Miami make a lot of sense and of course the you know reports along with Oladipo are Giannis Antetokounmpo is someone that the Miami Heat are targeting very well so I mean Victor and one of the reports that I heard or not reports but it was one of the rumors I heard excuse me Victor was willing to take less money to go play with Giannis and Jimmy Butler in Miami and would be up for a sign and trade. That's just a rumor that I've heard. So I don't know how true it is or not, but you know, there's, if there's rumors floating around, who knows what's going to happen. So I think if he has a good year and the Pacers compete really well, he might come back. But if they get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, like they have every year since McMillan's been here, then I think there's a good possibility that he looks elsewhere to pursue those dreams of being on a serious contender. All right. Um, so you can just keep moving along. Who's your – because we've talked about this a lot, and I've actually asked the same question all of our Eastern Conference guests. Who is your biggest threat to the Bucks in the East? And I'll give you mine. Okay, yeah, I would definitely say it's Toronto. I know a lot of people have been going on the Boston bandwagon, but I just think the way that Toronto is built, they have the ability to play different styles of basketball. They can go small ball with the Baca at the five, even Pascal Siakam at the five. You know, but then they can go big with Marcus Saul, Pascal, and Serge Ibaka. You know, Serge Ibaka has been pretty good off the bench this year in those minutes. And Fred Van Vliet. You know, the thing is, these guys kind of have a chip on their shoulder because they were all there last year for that run, aside from, you know, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard leaving. So they they kind of got overlooked. I mean, before the season started, I was afraid that they were going to trade a lot of their veterans and kind of restart over. But Kyle Lowry's been really productive in the playoffs. Van Vliet's been good. OG and Obi's been pretty good. So I, I think they have the most depth. They have. I think Nick Nurse is the coach of the year this year, in my opinion. So I really think just everything that the, the Raptors have, it's going to be tough. And they get a lot of guys you've never heard of, like Boucher, Terrence Davis, like guys you never even heard of come in there and play significant minutes and play decent. You know, you know. So it's like how, how is he getting these no-name guys to be productive? Uh, but Nick Nurse has found a way, and I think – I think Toronto, yeah, that's my that's my team to uh, really challenge Milwaukee full on for the uh, Eastern Conference. Yeah, so this has always been my take on it. Um, in terms of talent, 
it's Boston. Like, there's not a team in the East more talented than the Celtics that can match up on Milwaukee. In terms of what it takes, I think, to beat Milwaukee, which is the size, the versatility, and the shooting, it's the heat. They go 11 deep. Nine of them are legitimate shooting threat. Um, and then you got maybe the best coach in the league in Coach Spo. Um, yeah. Yes, I said maybe. Definitely probably in the East. You could probably even either him or Nurse. Um, so, yeah, in terms of size, versatility, and shooting, got to go Miami. But in terms of talent, uh, Boston, you know, I, I kind of see where you're going with the Toronto take as well. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of people are high on Miami, but, uh, you know, Andre Iguodala is older, right? He's not the young Iguodala he once was. Jay Crowder, you know, he's uh, he's a little bit overhyped, in my opinion. He's a decent three-point shooter, an okay defender. I mean, he's going to give you good minutes. He's going to play hard. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, those are two special players. But my biggest concern is guys like Duncan Robinson. You know, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, those guys that have not ever been in this moment before, guys that could be defensive liabilities. Like you're talking about Duncan Robinson trying to go up against some of these good wing players. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he's a good shooter, but they're going to have to figure things out, play a lot of zone. He might not play a lot of minutes if he continues to get beat off the dribble by, you know, better scores that he's trying to defend. Because, like, you look at the Pacers, for example, you got Warren, so you got Warren Oladipo, and Brogdon. With that starting lineup, you know, Robinson's going to have to guard one of those three. And all three of those guys can get to the basket and create their own shot. And that's the same thing with Boston. You know, you got Kemba, Jalen, and Tatum. You know, that the thing with Boston is they're really they're, – their starting five is really good. Then their bench is where they take a major hit. They've got a lot of young guys. Marcus Smart's pretty good. But other than that, their bench is not, not solid enough to me to, you know, really compete for a championship. And you have to remember Gordon Hayward is going to be leaving in September for his wife's uh, pregnancy. So that could be a major factor as well for Boston. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, you could even make the case for Philly if you wanted to, just because of their length, their size. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, you could. I mean, if, if Joel Embiid plays like he was uh, last year in the playoffs, you know, they don't have Jimmy. But but I think moving Ben Simmons to the four makes sense for them. Bringing Horford off the bench, they're not, to me, as good as they were last year with Jimmy Butler. Don't, don't miscredit me for saying that. But I do think that they have the talent enough to compete. I'm not saying they're in the top five, whatever you want to call it, but they do have enough talent to compete. So it's, it's, you know, Milwaukee though, they're a special team. And I think they're a little bit under the radar in a sense, because a lot of people <laughs> are trying to figure out who's going to beat them. And I just don't know if there's a team out there that will beat them. Yeah. Besides the Lakers, of course. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So obviously you, you are there. Uh, Bucks heavy person. Um, but let's go through like our NBA awards really quickly, if you don't mind. So you said coach of the year. I think coach of the year for me, Coach Spo, or you can't go wrong with Nick Nurse though. Um, who would be your most improved player of the year though? Oh yeah, that's a that's gotta probably Brandon Ingram, uh, former Laker, all star now with the uh, with the Pelicans. I, I think Bam Adebayo has a, a case for that. But, yeah, I think overall, I mean, you just look at the improvement from Brandon Ingram um, with New Orleans, playing the way he's playing. Now he's a huge part of their future, and he's still, what, 21, 22 years old, so not very old. He's got a long career ahead of him. New Orleans, you know, they lost Anthony Davis, but with getting the number one pick in Zion and acquiring Brandon Ingram, I think their future looks pretty bright. 
How about you? Yeah, you can't go wrong with uh, Brandon Ingram. If there's somebody else, maybe Bam. Uh, but yeah, it's probably Brandon Ingram. Uh, now I did hear something like Tatum played that way in February and March all year. Screw most improved player. He's winning uh, MVP this year <laughs> if he yeah. plays that way all year. But uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with Brandon Ingram. Um, what about um, crap? Six man of the year. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. You know, I've uh, I've I've heard the debate from Montrezl Harrell. You know, Lou Williams is always in that category, but I'm gonna go with Dennis Schroeder. I just think that he's been really good for OKC. And their best lineups in the clutch have been the three ball or the three guard lineups with him and CP3 and Shea. And you know, I I'm a, I I don't know Dennis Schroeder. I didn't really like him in Atlanta, but once he went to OKC, I started liking him a little bit more. So. Yeah, that's that'd be my vote. And by your reaction on the uh, camera, it uh, it appears that's who you would be voting for too. Yep, I, Dennis Schroeder, uh, Schroeder, whatever. Um, Schroeder, yeah. Schroeder. <laughs> yeah, uh, big big part of that team. And while Chris Paul should at least get one MVP vote because how well he's played, and the Thunder team should not be as good as they are. Um, no. Yeah, Dennis Schroeder is a big part of that. I think that's four categories. I might be missing one. Coach, most improved, uh, whatever. Uh, no, rookie of the year. There we go. It better be draw or I'm, I'm ending the – Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, if Zion had played all season, it'd definitely be Zion. But, you know, because uh, he put up some ridiculous numbers the last few weeks before the season was suspended. But, you know, you, know, you got to give credit to John Moran. I think second would be Brandon Clark. Yeah, what he did there too for uh, Memphis. Just two really young guys. Memphis is probably so excited to have him build around. Yeah, Ja, and we. I think people try to discredit Ja. Like uh, Blake Murphy from the Toronto Athletic was on with us. Uh, I think yesterday he brought up a great point on how not yesterday, let's say Sunday, Friday, on how it's not like Ja's the default one. He had a heck of a season. This year, I don't think very many people um, thought that the Grizzlies would be in the playoffs right now, and it's large in part to what uh, John Morant's doing. All right, but defensive player of the year, MVP, kind of go hand in hand this year. Mm-hmm. LeBron's won the MVP, Giannis won defensive player of the year, right? No, I don't think that's the case. I think it's got to be Giannis for MVP. I mean, LeBron's had a good year, and uh, you know to see what he's doing at his age is just remarkable. But, you know, I, I mean, Defensive Player of the Year, I think they both have to go to Giannis uh, with uh, MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. It's just hard for me to sit there and think of who really is making that big of an impact on defense night in and night out and, you know, let alone carrying the offensive load. I think Anthony Davis is in that top five. Bam Adebayo, for me, was in that top five as well, if I'm looking at who I would consider. And I'm talking Defensive Player of the Year right now. And, I, you know, Rudy Gobert, whatever, I'm not – He's he's a good defensive player, but it's kind of just a default award. Kawhi doesn't play enough games, but if Kawhi played enough, I think he could be in the race for both. I just don't think he cares that much about the regular season. But, yeah, MVP, I mean, I, I definitely think it's got to be LeBron second. And, you know, James Harden was up there for a little bit, and then he had a really bad month before the suspension started. So, yeah, I, I think Giannis has to be both, my man. I don't think Giannis will win both. Uh... I think he'll he'll definitely get. There's no way that Giannis walks out with at least one of them. Um, 
So I think he'll win one. Um, if I had to guess, they'll probably give him MVP and then give AD Defensive Player of the Year. I just don't see Giannis winning both uh, this year. I just don't. I don't see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, let, so let's say next year, right? Oladipo is healthy, right? Mm-hmm. And it's another first-round exit with a fully healthy Oladipo, Brogdon, Sabonis. That probably won't happen, but let's just pretend they're fully healthy. Um, Brogdon, Oladipo, Turner, Sabonis, and the crew. Would Nate McMillan, in your opinion, be on the hot seat if it's another first on X and X there and they lose Oladipo to a Miami or somewhere else? Well, I, I definitely think the seat is already warming up for Nate McMillan as it is right now. And, you know, some people have – a lot of Pacer fans, I should say, have a very strong distaste for Nate McMillan and how he executes late-game situations. Out-of-bounds are awful. His out-of-bounds plays are terrible. You know, and, and with Sabonis now dealing with his plantar fasciitis, which is going to keep him out for a good majority of the restart, he might not even return back to the bubble. You know, this is going to make the Pacers play a lot smaller uh, basketball. And, you know, they've been kind of playing a bigger style with Turner and Sabonis starting together, two natural centers playing the power forward and center together. So, you know, McMillan, I mean, he's got the excuse of injuries. He's got He's always had excuses for why he's never – succeeded in the playoffs you know it's oh well, we lost Victor last year you know we went up against the Cavs his first year and they got swept with Paul George before he asked out then they took the Cavs a seven the next year and then you know it's always just something with him it's always got to find an excuse and if you look at the the Pacers front office their president Kevin Pritchard and their GM Chad Buchanan both worked in Portland with Nate McMillan so they're very attached so it's one of those things where it's like Pacer fans are like, you know, we're having good regular season success, but the playoff success is not there. We want to see a change. We want to see someone that can maybe do things a little bit different, play a little bit more of a modern style of basketball, and not someone that's, you know, from the Stone Age in the 80s and the 90s, which is what it feels like sometimes with McMillan. He plays a little bit of a old-school bully ball sometimes, and, you know, Pacers shoot the three pretty well, but they're 29th or 30th in attempts, like dead last. So it's one of those things as the league in the the league is shifting in a different way. McMillan's not, and you know he's okay with the mid-range jumper. It is what it is. I mean, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he deserves to be fired just because of you know firing sake. But I do think that sometimes if you can if you consistently have mediocre runs and you just settle for you know uh, the underdog mentality, as I've been saying it they're okay with that underdog mentality and, you know, overachieving. Eventually that narrative is going to wear out and fans are going to get frustrated and fed up. Players will be the same way. So I, I think if they don't make it out of the first round next year, McMillan has to go because you have to prove to Oladipo that you're going to make some changes to keep him. Yeah, and uh, to use like a football, I don't know if you watch the NFL, to use a football analogy for people listening, um, from the way you just described it's almost like a, 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 a Mike McCarthy the new Cowboys coach, that like the game is changing around him and he's unwilling to change his scheme and his philosophy and the game is just going right by him. And McCarthy got fired. Now, granted, uh, he did just get a job with the Cowboys this year, so he left for a year. But still, that's why he got fired because the game – well, he had the best quarterback in the league, but the game was 
surpassing him. The game was changing, and he wasn't really to adapt. But really mm-hmm. quickly, the Pacers since the All-Star break are second to last in offensive rating. They are uh, – hold on, wait. 14th in pace, though. That's a problem. <laughs> You're yeah. 14th in pace, but your offensive rate that pace is actually kind of high for the Pacers. Um, but you're, I mean, oh, wait, oops, I might have got that wrong. No, they're, they're, they're tied for last with the, with the Warriors in offensive rating. So that's kind of an issue. Um, but then again, with the Pacers, they're fourth in defensive rating since the all-star break. So that's kind of the problem with this Pacers team. Can the offense, and maybe... Yeah, the argument, like you pointed out, the big man can make, well, hey, Brogdon's been hurt, Oladipo hasn't been, because he's coming off of a, of an injury that will, like, similar probably Gordon Hayward. He won't be fully back till next year, which is why I think you're right. I know Oladipo should probably play to get his legs back underneath him, like it's a Hayward, because then you pretty much uh, avoid having to wait, having to take that extra year to get fully back like Hayward did, like Paul George did. Um, right. So I think I agree with you on the importance of of uh, him playing in this restart. But one last thing I want to bring up, the efficiency differential. So the Pacers, like I said, are fourth in defensive range since the All-Star break. The teams above them are Toronto, the Lakers, and the Bucks. The axis separation is not that big either. The Bucks' efficiency differential is 6.9. The Lakers is 7.2. The Raptors is 7.1. The Pacers is are 0.8. That's their efficiency differential. And yeah. just to put that in perspective, would you say the Magic are a better team than the uh, Pacers? Not a chance. <laughs> are the Kings? No. <laughs> the Kings and the the Kings and the uh the Magic have a better uh, efficiency differential than the Pacers. Just to put that into some perspective as well. So yeah, you're absolutely spot on with your name McMillan uh, take, but let's start wrapping things up here. You kind of threw shade on my Lakers from the very start. Uh, all love, my brother, all love. <laughs> is it safe to assume that uh, the, the Bucks are your favorites to win the championship this year? No, they're not either. So uh, my favorites to win the uh, to win the NBA championship is the Clippers, and I said that from the beginning of the season. Okay. So I just – maybe I'm drinking that Kawhi Kool-Aid a little bit too much, but – you know, I, I do like the way they match up with the Lakers. I think they're a lot deeper than the Lakers, especially with no Avery Bradley. Uh, Rajon Rondo going down with an injury, so now you're relying Rondo heavily on – back by the playoffs, by the third, by the conference finals. So long – Okay. So long Lou Will doesn't do – I mean, do anything stupid. Well, it will be a conference finals matchup. Right. So, you know, but it's uh, it's uh, J.R. Smith coming back. Now, I thought J.R.'s looked decent since he's returned. Deion Waiters has looked okay in the scrimmages, but we know Waiters is going to waiter. Uh, you know, it's what he does. But it's just one of those things. I mean, I, I trust LeBron. I, I trust Anthony Davis. I mean, these are two of the top five players in the league this year. So, you know, it, it's tough because you got Kawhi and Paul George. You know, Paul George, someone that's playing in the I think he fits perfectly next to Kawhi as that number two guy. And you got Montrezl Harrell, who's played really well this year, Lou Williams off the bench. Just, I, I just think Doc Rivers is a really solid coach, too. So it's, it's going to be a bloodbath, and, you know, these two teams don't like each other. There's no doubt about it. They're, 
they're going to be the ones that everybody wants to see. You know, I keep hearing all this, oh, Portland might upset the Lakers in the first round if they meet them, and it's like, uh, you know, first man. Of, the league is trying their hardest to make sure it's the Pelicans-Lakers first-round matchup. Oh, I agree. So, no, the Blazers won't even get to the first round. Um, yeah. They and- might. They might because you have to understand – Dame and CJ, when they're on their A game with Nurkic back, I mean, that's a really tough team. And they could, I think that experience would uh, outweigh what the Pelicans can do because you're talking about a Pelicans team that's really, besides Drew Holiday, JJ Redick, and their vets, their young core of Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Lonzo Ball, they've never experienced they this. Never experienced so yep. so it's, it's tough. I mean, I mean, if I'm the Lakers, I'd rather play the Pelicans. There's no doubt about it. Sure. Sure. I, I it's think, not even that. It's also like in the playoffs – you need a superstar guard or a wing. The the Pelicans don't have neither, and the Blazers have the best point guard this year. Yeah. In in Dame. So yeah. Um I agree. I think it will be an LA team that wins. Um and with the Kawhi Kool-Aid stuff, you're I mean, the dude was the best player in the playoffs last year. So can you yes, he was so good and he looked good in that first game back against the Lakers. I mean, I, I will say this: if the Lakers, if the if the Lakers beat the Clippers, I'd pick the Lakers over Milwaukee. Okay. So, so I got I got LA as one two for my uh, my championship contenders, and I mean Milwaukee, I think they match up better with the Lakers and the Clippers, just because of the size and how they would be able to you know play with that. But I don't think they have a second a second all around defender that can you know, stop, you know, one of the wing players of, of the Clippers. I just – I feel like the Clippers can muck it up too much for him. But, I mean, that's just my opinion. I mean, it's going to be a bloodbath trying to get through the the second and third round in the Eastern Conference, whether people want to talk about it or not. I mean, it's not going to be easy going up against Philly, Miami, or Indiana in the yeah, second round. Yeah, none of those, those second-round matchups no. are going to be easy. And then the Eastern Conference Finals, I I'll, I believe it's going to be the Raptors. I mean, I think that's going to be a very tough matchup. Now, they might win it in five or six because they're just – Giannis is that much better. Five or six, though. They're, they're going to get their work out. <laughs> yeah. Now, really quickly, I want to uh-huh. call it the – so Thursday, <clears throat> the first game is the Clippers and the Lakers. For people listening, don't judge the Clippers or the, or the Lakers, especially the Clippers, off that game. They're going to miss – there's six man of the year, arguably, in Lou Will. All, and everybody's just coming back. It's the first real game back. So I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's fair to really judge the Clippers or the Lakers off that game. Um, my And my favorite is the Lakers. And maybe it's just because partial bias. But also, well, there's certain things you don't do in sports. You don't bet against LeBron. Fully healthy LeBron, you don't bet against LeBron in the playoffs. Um, but if not the Lakers, the Clippers, I can't. Giannis, I, I can't pick Giannis to win a to win a championship because uh, you face him against the Clippers. Why can he do the same thing as he did last year? I think he can. And then you have another six, seven, lengthy guy in Paul George who can help Kawhi uh, manage his load. Pun intended. Um, so, I think I think both teams match up well mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Bucks, and I mean I, I'll 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 let Wesley Matthews or Chris Middleton 
no disrespect to Chris Middleton, but if I'm the Lakers and the Clippers, I'll, I'll let them win you a series. By yeah. all means, go ahead, shoot shot of games. I'm not letting Giannis go for 40. Yeah, and I mean, I think Chris Middleton is a little bit disrespected. I think he's definitely worthy of being an all-star. Yes, he does reap the benefits of playing next to Giannis, but he's a really good basketball player. And if you remember at the beginning of the season, when you know the Pacers did acquire Malcolm Brogdon from the Milwaukee Bucks, everybody said, oh, I don't know how they're going to be able to sustain losing Brogdon. He was so good. And then Wesley Matthews comes in and plays really well. DiVincenzo has been good off the bench. George Hill has been really solid off the bench. You know, both the Lopez brothers have been good at the center position. I believe they got Marvin Williams before the season suspended um, after he got bought out by Charlotte. So, you know, I really just think that this Milwaukee team is deep. They've got really solid role players uh, around Giannis, but they're just missing that number two guy. I mean, Chris Middleton, to me, can be that number two guy, but it just depends. Playoff series, I don't think I would, yeah. Well, he's he's never going to be like if you're talking about the Clippers or the Lakers, he's always going to be, you know, the fourth best player on the court because you're talking, you know, Paul George and Kawhi are better than him and you're talking Anthony Davis and LeBron are better than him. And then Giannis obviously is better than him. So he's always going to be the fourth or fifth best player on the court. And, you know, I mean, I've seen Middleton hit some big shots. I mean, he's not afraid to get the ball in the hoop. He's a really solid defender, too. It's, you know, it, it's hearsay. It's you get a little you know, a little good here, a little bad here, whatever. But Eric Bledsoe last year really struggled in the playoffs, and he is someone they're relying heavily on. And I'm just – I've never been someone to believe in Eric Bledsoe. So you'll probably see more George Hill playing uh, like we did last year. And I thought George Hill actually looked pretty good in his role with Giannis. So long story short, you know, it, it's too early. These eight games really don't mean much for anything except for the Pelicans and the Blazers, and I guess you could say – uh, the Grizzlies, too, because they're all competing for that. Nobody else, in my opinion, Sacramento, Phoenix, San Antonio, they don't have a chance. Nobody really wants to watch Washington and Brooklyn fight it out for the eighth seed. You know, so it's it's really just about trying to fill yourself. Use this as, like, the preseason to get ready for the playoffs. And, you know, I just want to say kudos to the NBA for the production they've put on uh, with how they've set up the court, the camera angles, that kind of thing. And I do – I don't know. I want to ask you this because this is totally it's like non-basketball related. But as a fan, do you like the pumped-in volume where the, like it feels like the home team's getting, you know, like their music played while they're going down the court, fans cheer on made baskets, like from what they pumped into the audio, or do you like it when it's just like dead silence? Um, I understand why they did that to like try to, because from a casual fan's perspective, you're just watching it and it's dead quiet. And the the commentators are just talking. That's kind of boring, um, yeah. From a casual perspective, but I think it's fine. I don't think it's gonna really affect the players that much. And I think it's mm-hmm. more. I think it's more for the fans than the players. So I'm fine with it personally. I don't really care because I mean it's not like it's going to affect the players. It's not gonna be like it's in LA. Uh, which no matter if it's a Clippers home game, it's a Lakers home game, or if it's in Miami or in Milwaukee or in Indiana, which can actually affect some people like Indiana, Milwaukee, those are really tough places to play. You're not Mm going to be able to replicate that in freaking Orlando on a Disney resort. Um, (laughs) So I don't really care about it. It's, It's whatever. Um, Now really quickly, did you see the camera angle from that Thunder Celtics game? I, I didn't. I haven't been able to watch a lot of the games. I've been busy with family in town, but what, what's been going on? Um, 
So, yeah, well, first of all, about the camera angle, that looks like the 2K21 camera angle. My God. Okay. Um, yeah, I always change that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't watched that much much of the games either. I've just watched, like, clips of them. Uh, Bo Bo has just been wrecking the the league, and I'm, I'm curious how Mike Malone's going to handle that. Um, and, yeah, it's not really much I can really say because it's – scrimmage games like how much can you really take away from scrimmage games you know uh but that's probably my biggest takeaway ball ball has just been a one-man wrecking crew for the for the uh nuggets um <laughs> yeah it's uh well maybe maybe we'll get to see ball ball a little bit more than we uh saw mpj this year from uh from the Knights. <laughs> yeah um so really quick question before we can start wrapping things up if there's a team in the west besides the lakers and the clippers that's going to potentially challenge them who's it going to be that's a great question and this is a really tough answer because there's so many teams in my opinion in the west that you can make the case for you know uh, the rockets are a team because they're so different if they get hot from three james harden russell westbrook you know those are two guys that are just go-getters right they're not they're not afraid of the moment even though they've never won the championship they've been to the finals together um in okc they're guys that kind of have something to prove so i think this is a good opportunity for them they'd be the obvious choice you know the the one answer that's probably a little shocking to a lot of people would be the thunder because they've got a guy like chris paul who's been so good they've been the most clutch team um this season as far as winning those close games and that starting or that closing five with Steven Adams, Danilo, and the three guards we talked about earlier and SGA, uh, Schroeder and, and Chris Paul, I mean, that team could cause some problems. Now I don't know if they're deep enough and I don't know if they're talented enough to, yeah. you know, outplay those stars, but that collective group right there has been really good in the regular season. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure Dallas is quite ready yet. I know I love Luca. I'm a big Luca fan. Chris Stops looks a lot better there, but I just don't know if they're ready yet. And Denver, they're just one of those teams that I've never believed in. And I'm still a little shaky on what they are and what they will be. So, you know, I, I think it's got to, if, you, if you're going to rank them, the other, other five, I guess you could say, because we don't know who that eighth team's going to be. But the other five, I think if I'm ranking them, I'm going to put Houston number one, OKC number two. Denver three, Dallas four, and then who's the other team that I'm missing? Um, you said Houston already, right? Yeah, because it's not if it's not the Jazz. The, the Jazz. Oh yeah, they're last. Without Bojan, they're in trouble, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I've never been a believer in the Jazz either. <laughs> Can I just straight up say nobody? Like, I don't think anybody's going to be able to do it because I, I think there's, like, serious question marks with all the teams. The Rockets, yeah. I don't know how they're going to be able to – they're going to put up a bunch of points, but how are you going to be able to guard in a seven-game series either Kawhi and Paul George or LeBron and AD pick and roll with Danny Green on ball side? How are you going to be able to guard that? Um, yeah. And then Harden and Westbrook constantly underperforming the playoffs um and then who else dallas i agree i don't think they're ready yet denver finally somebody agrees with me on denver they're just weird um 
I don't part of it's because I don't think they're ready yet either, but our part of me is like, when will they be ready? Um who else? Who am I missing? Uh Utah again, uh Boyan is gonna be a struggle and I don't trust Donovan yet. And so yeah, I think every team has their major flaws. And then the Blazers are gonna have to go through every major team. If they were maybe like a three or a four seed, which I think if everybody was healthy all year, they could have been. But um yeah, Portland, it's just gonna be too tough for them. So I think it's gonna be an LA representing the West. I don't think there's gonna be a team to knock one of them. One of those two off. Yeah, I mean, if we're if we're basing everything off what we saw before the season was suspended, that's a, that's the a crazy thing. I mean, you've, we just don't know what's going to happen because this is such a weird thing. We, we we have no idea what to expect, but you know, there you could think, oh well, a wild card win it, but then at the end of the day, it could just be basic chalk, and that's who gets to the finals. You know, and uh, it's it's just it's just good to have live sports back. It's been way too long for any you know, for everybody to not see live sports. And so this last week has just been great, even though it's been scrimmage games and you can tell the NBA is still experimenting with how they want to produce their, you know, their on-court action. It's, uh, it's, it's been great to see, man. Yeah. All right. So last thing is kind of a new segment that we haven't done yet. We're going to do flip the table where you, if you have any questions for me or I can ask our co-host if you have one for him as well. So flip the table. That's kind of a weird name. I'll work on it. Uh, but yeah, flip the table. Any questions? For I you? like it. <laughs> flip the table. Any questions for you? Okay. So let me ask you this from an outsider's perspective. You know, on the Pacers, uh, since I that's the team I'm covering. What do you think their ceiling is if they're fully healthy next year? A fully healthy Pacers team next year. Part of like I, I just think second round because the East is top heavy, and I forgot the Nets if Kyrie and KD. Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> the East just is so talented. Like the East and the West starting to become more balanced, except the West depth is more like the West one through thirteen are really talented, but the East like one through what six if you count the Nets or one through seven. Yeah. Are just as talented, if not more talented, than the West. So, second round because if every like the most of the East team, this is a pretty weak free agency class. It's mostly restricted, and so yeah, you know how that really goes. So the Eastern teams are really bringing everybody back. So if everybody's healthy, that's tough. Second round, maybe I don't see conference. Yeah. Right. I mean, so uh, the biggest question I guess a lot of people have for the Pacers is the way their roster is built. And, and they have two centers playing next to each other in the starting lineup with Sabonis and Turner. Do you think that that duo can work long term, or do you think the Pacers should look to trade one of them? I think it can work long term, but one of them's got to come off the bench in a series against uh, – like Well, that's a- not going to happen. Well, then you have to try them because I think in a series that- against – out like like a Nets or a a healthy Nets team or a a Boston. I think you would have to bring one off the bench because I think you can exploit. Uh, I think you can exploit the matchups a little bit different, a little bit easier. I guess the Bucks, yeah. you, would, you would have to play both of them to try to keep up with the size 
Well, and you can do it against the Raptors too, because the Raptors don't have anybody. I feel they can just easily exploit matchups. But the Celtics, if they're fully healthy, the Nets are fully healthy. I think you would have to only play one because that they could exploit that matchup. And if they don't, then I think yeah, you have to trade one of them. Yeah. So what they've been kind of doing, I don't know if you've watched much, but it's uh, every once in a while you'll see Sabonis leave with about six minutes into the first quarter. They'll bring in Justin Holiday to play that small ball four and go a little bit smaller with Turner at the five and Justin at the four. And then with about two minutes left, or maybe it might even be the end of the first, Sabonis will come back in and uh, he'll either replace TJ Warren or he'll replace Miles Turner. And uh, you'll see Sabonis run quite a bit of, uh, of the offense with the second unit. And they usually do a nine-man rotation. So you're talking both the Holiday brothers – T.J. McConnell and McDermott with with Sabonis in that second unit, and then they'll you know make their substitutions accordingly. So Sabonis will get a breather and then come back in to finish a four. So you know they're not really playing a ton of minutes together, if that makes sense. Even though they're starting together, so that's why I don't think you could really bench one because that's okay. what happened the last two years. Is Sabonis has been coming off the bench, and that's why they didn't try to bring back Thaddeus Young, is because they said, hey, we want to see Sabonis. You know, Sabonis wants to start. They paid him more money than Miles Turner. And that's kind of why people think if the Pacers are going to upgrade this roster, they're going to have to deal one of the two big men yeah. and then figure out what other pieces they could send. So that's that's probably the biggest question mark. What, yeah, because what like center do they decide on? Yeah, because like with the small market teams, you're not getting any big time free agents. So you're kind of banking on either trading for parts are home growing your talent like Milwaukee yeah. did. So yeah, that's 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 tough. because uh, yeah, then you probably because how do you upgrade a team that can't really benefit in free agency? Yeah. You gotta trade. You gotta yeah. you gotta you know put them out there on the market and you know between the two of them it just depends on what style of basketball they want to play because both are so different. I think Sabonis is a much better offensive player. You know, I think Turner's got more, you know, natural skills as far as shooting the three, putting the ball on the floor a little bit better. But Sabonis in the pick and roll, dribble handoffs, his screen setting, his passing, his IQ, it's just – and in the post rebounding-wise, he's just so much more advanced than Turner. But on the defensive end, you know, Turner is a, a an elite shot blocker, one of the best in the league. He's good enough to switch and play off of switches, but still – you know, his length allows him to recover if he gets beat. Where Sabonis, he's good as a defensive post player, but trying to go up against guards and faster forwards, uh, it doesn't work out too well for him. So it's it's one of those things where it's like you got one that's really good on this end and the other's good on the other end of the floor. How do you make that decision? You think they'd fit well together, but, you know, with them both being traditional fives and the small ball universe that we're living in where the Rockets, you know, centers – you know, Robert Covington, it's just it's just weird how all these teams are made up. So, you know, but, hey, you know, we saw the Nuggets start Jokic at the point the other day, right? So we yeah. can see some weird things happen. But, yeah. So i just just curious your thoughts because that's that's kind of the talking point around here is what does Turner and Sabonis look like and uh, how does Oladipo look coming back from his injury? So that's, that's the two big question marks here. Yeah. Um, now this is the final, final question. I know I've been saying that a lot. What so have, did you watch the Paul George like live stream where he talked about what what happened and why he left? Uh, where he was on the Knuckleheads podcast. I think so, and then he said we I had 
uh, the best power forward at the time wanted to wanting to come to Indiana. Did you t hear about that? Yeah, yeah. Of course, that? we heard about it. No, well, here I'll tell you a little bit. I think that he, if if it's if it's if it's true, the the rumors would have been Anthony Davis coming to Indiana. That's what everybody was saying. And that's that's was specified by our uh, indie star, uh, our beat writer for the Pacers for the newspaper here, Jay Michael. He said that Paul George is referring to Anthony Davis. Well, if you recall, Anthony Davis had just signed an extension before Paul George's free agency year, so he still had three years left on his deal. The Pacers' yeah. only asset that would be worth trading was Miles Turner and multiple picks. So you're talking mortgaging, you know, Miles Turner plus you know, four or five years worth of draft picks to get Anthony Davis, the, the Pelicans weren't going to do that. The Pelicans, you know, they wanted Jason Tatum. They wanted Jalen Brown. They wanted that whole package from Boston instead for Anthony Davis, even if it was just for two years. And then he comes out and says, well, I, don't, I won't resign there if I'm traded there. So, you know, I mean, he may have came to Indiana if there was a trade there, but I don't think the Pacers had enough to make that trade. Now, if Paul was actually talking about a free agent, it was Blake Griffin, and he was the free agent at that point. But let's be honest, Blake Griffin, after he signed that contract, he's been injury yeah. prone. Had a good year in Detroit once he got traded, but I mean, it's it's just injuries have kind of derailed his career. And you know, Paul George just keeps coming with more and more stuff. He hates the fact that Indiana hates him, so he's like, I'm embracing the villain, blah blah blah. You know, it's just yeah. Paul's a diva. And, and, and uh, wasn't he talking about like 2017? So his the yeah, is that the year he's referring to? I believe his last year was 2016-2017, and we got swept by the Cavaliers in the playoffs yeah. by like 16 total points in those four losses where he got mad that C.J. Miles took, you I know. remember that game one. Yeah, and it was a close game, and then he wasn't even open, and C.J. was wide open, so he takes a shot, and he yells at him and says, I'm the best player, I should get the shot. And so then Paul George has a chance in game four to take that shot, and uh, hits the other side of the backboard. So it's not like it's one of the, you know, Paul strong suits is closing out game strong. But he uh, – and, and, and they blew game three. What were you guys up by, like 30, 25, 36? Yeah, that's right. That's right. When Miles Turner had that huge dunk on Tristan Thompson, they came back and just lost it. So, you know, Monte Ellis, Jeff Teague, Thad Young, Miles Turner, Jan Mahimi, and Paul George, that core right there was not going to win you anything special. Uh, they brought Lance Stevenson back with six games left that year just to even get them into the playoffs because I believe Miami and Chicago were knocking on their doorstep. And uh, I think Miami and Chicago finished 9-10, and 10 and the Pacers got the eight seed, uh, and they had to win out basically because if they lost one of those games and the other team won, they would have been replaced because of head-to-head matchups. So it took a Lance Stevenson return to save the Pacers. <laughs> so... You know, as a Laker fan watching Lance last year, what that means. You know, Lance is a really fun player to root on or root for, but cheer on, whatever. But, yeah, Paul, I mean, Paul had one foot out the door. He was looking for a reason to leave, in my opinion. He said the Pacers were putting his name in trade talks, and that's what made him want to leave. And it's like, dude, you know, people are calling to see if you're available. Like, do you not understand how this works? It's not like the Pacers are like, oh, we want to trade Paul. It's like, no, if they called and said, hey, we want to talk about Paul, they're obviously going to listen. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> and if you get right. mad because they even listen, well, then you got bigger issues. So it's yeah. all George, class act diva. <laughs> yeah. So just to clarify, you don't buy him saying he had the he had the best power forward coming. You don't buy that. I here's what I'll say. I think that him and Anthony Davis talked, 
I think that Anthony Davis did want to play with Paul, but I don't think the Pacers had what it takes to pry Anthony Davis away from New Orleans because Anthony Davis had no say in where he was playing at once he signed that extension with New Orleans. His mm-hmm. his contract was in New Orleans hands, so he could say, well, I could have had Anthony Davis. Well, Anthony Davis may have wanted to play with the Pacers and play with you, Paul, because he thought you were a really good player, get into the Eastern Conference, you know, have a better chance of winning because Pelicans weren't doing crap. But, <laughs> you know, the, the reality of that deal happening was very slim, in my opinion. So I don't really think that that deal could have got done. All right, perfect. But, uh, yeah, thank you, Alex, again, oh, yeah. for joining us. Um, yeah, hopefully the season finishes and we crown a L.A. team, the one with purple <laughs> on it. Um, but, yeah, thank you, Alex, again, for joining us. Uh, make sure you guys check out Setting the Pace, pun intended, uh, podcast. The link will be down below in the description. Thank you, Alex, again, for joining us. Absolutely, and I don't want to see the purple and gold. I want to see the blue and gold, the Indiana Pacers, <laughs> holding up that NBA championship at the end of the season. Let's do it. Let's play small ball. Let's get McMillan out of his comfort zone. Today, Aaron Holiday will be starting against the Mavericks, and uh, T.J. Warren will play the four. So we're going to see a, a much different lineup than we've seen from the Pacers all year long. So stay tuned, my friends. <laughs> Yeah, uh, ignore the championship part. It'll be only be about another lifetime before that happens. <laughs> Go Clips. <laughs>